selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Inhuman, The Monster of Cleveland is a podcast that uses adult language and discusses sensitive and potentially triggering topics including violence and abuse. This podcast may not be appropriate for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, what's up, you guys? I'm Andrea. And I'm Haley. And you're listening to Inhuman, the monster of Cleveland, and the badass survival story of Michelle, Amanda, and Gina. Oh, and I also wanted to just, I forgot, I was going to do this last episode, but I wanted to give a shout out to Charles, the the man who came up to the door and helped them. <laughs> we never, yes. like, we talked a little bit about him and the, the, the lady who was like, meh, and then the other guy, but shout out to you, Charles. You're the real MVP. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, there's actually, you guys should look it up. There's like an interview with him and him talking about it. And it's like the best thing. He's just like amazing. He's so so funny. You got, everybody I should know. go watch that interview. He's great. Doesn't, doesn't he say like when a white woman runs up to you and hugs you, you know, as a black man, like something's wrong or something's <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah. And I thought that was yeah. hilarious because. Yeah. It's kind of true. Yeah. I mean, I get. I mean, I guess in with certain people's perspective and the neighborhood that they lived in and things like that. Yeah. I True. can see that. Yeah. Okay. So this episode, we're going to be covering where are they now? What are the girls up to now? How they're coping, how they're healing and what amazing things that they're doing um, to kind of give back to the community or we'll touch base on that, but then we'll go into a little bit more detail later on, I think. Right. Yeah. I'm going to talk for Amanda and, um, Gina at least kind of like what how their lives were right after and then kind of the things that they have done to give back I guess I don't know if that's the right word but you know what I mean yeah okay so we're gonna rewind a little bit um just to kind of cover the story as to like leading up to now 
um, for Michelle. So after her stay at the hospital, um, Michelle actually snuck out the back way to try to avoid the media. Um, she was escorted to an assisted living home that was run by an older couple. She had her own room on the main floor, which was a wonderful change after being chained to another person on the top floor for so many years. Aww. I know. Um, Michelle craved freedom. She said in her book, quote, do you have any idea what it's like to wake up and realize no one's going to rape you that day? How wonderful it is to see the sunlight pouring through your window. How great it is to walk around without a heavy chain around your wrists and ankles. It feels amazing. And once you feel that, you want your full independence. In other words, you want your whole life back. And I totally wow. understand why she felt that way. I know. Um, and why she was like seeking that solitude. Because she, I mean, like she said, she was with Gina for like, what, eight years, basically? Or maybe a little less than that, but a long time. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, and it's just crazy to think like, you know, something we take for granted, not having that stuff happen to us every day. And yeah. all of a sudden she's like, it's the opposite. And it's crazy to think about how, you know they went through so much shit that like we can read about and we can talk about but we'll never understand it and I feel like that really does put it into perspective for me because it's like yeah you just don't think about that no you don't and you can never really wrap your mind around it because it's just unfathomable you know yeah and like sadly you know she didn't have a very good relationship with her family and her relationship with her mother was very volatile so it's not yeah. like she could just run back home to her family and, you know, with open arms, they, you know, I think they did try to kind of exploit, um, you know, what happened to Michelle and kind of get their 15 minutes of fame. That's kind of yeah. what I gathered from it, which is just like disgusting to me. And maybe, yeah. I don't know, I've never heard their side of things and I don't really care to, but, uh, you know, yeah. I just feel bad for no, her. No, I know. But it sounds like she wanted to be alone, so maybe it worked out for the best for her. True. So soon after, she began seeing a therapist, and it was very difficult for her to open up at first. All she sought was to speak to Gina. Um, Gina and Amanda were the only ones who understood how she felt and what she went through in that house. However, she wanted to respect Gina's wishes and wanting to move on. But for the rest of her life, she'd always be thankful for everything Gina did for her. Mm. I know it makes me sad like that they're not all close but I totally get like they're needing to heal and like not relive you know the moments in the house and I feel like that would be a constant reminder for all of them yeah and I'll talk about this a little bit later but Amanda and Gina actually got a lot closer outside of the house than they ever had been inside the house and Gina in the book didn't really talk about Michelle and like where her relationship with her was but um Amanda did say like something and I have this like quoted later on I think but something along the lines of like we're just different people and are going our own ways and I wish the best for her um yeah. but I really think Michelle just like was different was a different person and her personality was different I mean we saw that in the house she was less willing to kind of give in to him and stuff like that and she was also older like 
she was significantly older and even if it wasn't by years like 21 versus 17 I feel like is a significant age gap and she had a kid and stuff like that so she was just a different person and even though they went through this together she I feel like had a different way of healing than the other two yeah I agree with that so several months later the FBI returned her notebooks which she was really thankful for she read through them all sometimes having to stop because what she was reading was too painful Still to this day, she writes in a journal and draws all the time. She still misses her Joey and owes her survival to him, holding out hope that she'll see him again one day. That in and of itself takes a ton of strength because like she, I mean, even though she didn't really have any control over it, like there's not a way that she could have just gone and found him or anything, but like just knowing that your son is out there but you're like staying back and not pushing for more to see him because you want to protect him like that takes right oh my gosh I yeah I know so Joey had been adopted by his foster family at the age of four and unfortunately she was not allowed to re-enter his life um I think the foster family feared that due to what happened to her Um, It would confuse or possibly hurt Joey. And of course, everyone, you know, wants the best interests of the child. And I do understand, you know, where they're coming from. But it does obviously make me still sad because, you know, it it was unavoidable what happened to her. She was allowed to write a letter to his adoptive parents. And luckily, they did send her some pictures of Joey. Um, I cannot imagine how Michelle must feel, how helpless she felt knowing that she might not ever see him again that's so hard and I mean we were talking about it earlier how she you know he was what like 13 when they were rescued um but he's now over the age of 18 and it's like so heartbreaking to know that they still she still hasn't like seen him because my hope, I didn't know how old he was, so my hope was like, oh, maybe when he's 18, they'll tell him at least her name, and then he can decide what he wants to do, which maybe they did. We don't right. know if they did or not, but um, yeah, it's just, it's hard, and it's, I I keep going back and forth with like, I want her, I want her to have him, but I also want what's best for him, so it's like, it's yeah. hard, but I also feel like if he found out some other way one day who his birth mom was, like, yeah. it would almost be worse. So I don't know. I have a lot of yeah. feelings on Mixed that, and emotions. I don't know where. Yeah. Yeah. And and honestly, for all we know, they might be in touch. And, it you know, they might not have wanted to make this big spectacle out of it. And they're keeping it out of the media, That's which true. I think is the healthiest way to go about it. You know, I was thinking about it after we talked. Very true. Like, wow, he is an adult now. And it, it is surprising that he hasn't reached out. Because I mean, as a child, as a person, you you know, you crave to know where you came from, I think. So yeah, I hope I hope That's they true. secretly are in touch. <laughs> Let's just believe that. <laughs> yes, we're manifesting it if it's not already real. <laughs> yeah. So on August 7th, 2013, Ariel Castro's house was torn down. Yes. Um, And you'll go into a little bit more about that in a moment. But they actually found 22 grand in his dryer that he had stashed away. Um, I don't know where he got that money from. I guess, you know, all those years of (laughs) 
eating shit and not yeah. having any heat. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like he was so cheap and didn't buy them stuff. And when he did, it was like like stuff that he got from like Goodwill or, you know, just like didn't spend a lot of money on and he was always buying fast food, which is way cheaper. So like, you know, yeah. he I could see how he saved up the money. Yeah. Um, they actually offered the money to the three women, but they all turned it down and said that they wanted that money put put towards bettering the neighborhood, which I commend them for because that's that's a really yeah. mature thing to do. Not that I would want yeah. his greasy, cheap money, but you know, twenty two grand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Michelle was actually there when the house was destroyed. It was another way for her to heal. Um, she arrived early before the dem- demolition began. And she handed out yellow balloons to all the bystanders as a representation of the hundreds of people who are still missing to this day, which is just like so sweet. It's just so sweet. I love that. Yeah. You imagine seeing all those yellow balloons and then like this house being like demolished in the background. I know. And have you seen the like news footage of it? Like everybody's cheering and it's just the best thing. No, I haven't. I need to watch it. Yeah, you need to look it up. It's really fun. So in the book I read, they actually talked about how the Cleveland officials wanted to demolish it as quickly as possible so it didn't become a, quote, ghoulish attraction. Um, People had already been coming from all over to see this house, and police actually had to put a security fence around it before they tore it down. Um, And so they really just wanted it to, like, not be an attraction. So that's why they tore it down so quickly. The FBI had removed all of the evidence and they even created a wooden scale model that cost more to build than the actual house did. So I thought that was crazy. I think they really, I know, I think that they really like were afraid that it was going to be, this house of horrors was going to become this like big attraction and they didn't want that to happen. And so they were like, we need to just get it torn down and, but we need like a model of it, which I also don't understand the model thing. Like, I get it, but also, like, aren't pictures enough? Like, it's not like a unsolved murder case or something where you need to, like, yeah. know how everything went. But maybe they had other motives that they didn't tell us about, so. And sometimes, like, visual. Like, I'm a visual person, so I like to see things. True. For it to make sense sometimes. So maybe, like, for it to make sense, like, they needed that visual representation. Yeah. But, I mean, if it costs that much, that seems kind of yeah crazy. <laughs> So Castro's daughter, Angie, um, you know, all of the family were allowed to like enter the house before they demolished it after they got out all the evidence. But his daughter, Angie, um, got to go up to the second floor of the house for the first time in 15 years. Um, You know, she'd been in the house, but she wasn't allowed upstairs. So she saw the boarded up windows, the missing doorknobs, locks and wires everywhere, and she was disgusted by what she saw just thinking about what happened here in her childhood home. Um, and, like, can you imagine just a few months before she was down in the living room helping her father create a Facebook account while the fir- four girls were locked up upstairs? From the book, quote, she wished there had been a clue, a noise, a creak, a cry, anything that would have made her suspect that something was wrong. And I'm sure she, like, had something similar to, like, survivor's guilt almost. Like, all those years her father kept them there and she had no clue. You have to feel guilty. Like, she shouldn't because she didn't know, but 
Yeah, and they had, like, you know, those other times when there was, like, little hints to things, but you never think, oh, my dad must have some kidnapped girls upstairs. Let me go check it out. You know, you just think, like, okay, my kid is seeing things or, you know, making stuff up or, you know, whatever. And even, like, not being able to go upstairs, like, it was definitely sketchy, but unless you have something real, you're not going to go to the cops and say, like, I'm suspecting my dad of this, like... (laughs) Because he won't I mean, let me go. We should, <laughs> right? Yeah, but you know, like that's it's pretty hard to make that like distinction when something's actually wrong versus when like your dad's just being a weirdo, like yeah. selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Listen up. I won't sugarcoat it. This is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen, but we're not alone. We've got Instacart. Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up. Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in, in a few minutes. <laughs> Instacart for the win. So anyway, when they tore down the house, as Andrea said, Michelle was there, um, but Amanda and Gina, neither of them wanted to go. Again, they weren't quite ready. Same with, like, when the trial happened. Um, Amanda watched it on TV, quote, watching this big machine taking a few minutes to destroy what had been my whole world. So wow. thought that was that's an impactful. interesting perspective as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's really impactful. But I think she was still happy that it was torn down and, um, you know, was glad that that part was gone. And Gina was watching at her friend's house actually, because her mom was there watching and Gina's aunt actually got to control the crane and smash the house down. So I thought that was kind of cool. That is really not That's cool. I like that. So now it is November of 2013. Um, Michelle was finally able to move out of that kind of, it's kind of like, I guess, like a rehabilitation halfway house situation um, and was able right. to move into her own place. Um, she actually got a little apartment and she was talking about in her book how the walls were like this really pretty sage green color and it made her feel like she was outside, which is something that she 
you know, had been longing for for so long. Right. Um, She also began taking cooking classes, which was something that she had always wanted to do, and it brought her great joy. She made some new friends since being rescued, and some of them she would fondly refer to as her chosen family, which is just like, I'm glad she had that. Like, I hope people didn't flock to her because of her fame, but it seems like she has a nice core set of, of people that she can depend on now. That's good. She also met Miguel Rodriguez, and the two of them got married on May 6, 2016, which also happens to be the third anniversary of their escape from Castro's house, which is just amazing to me because now she has this wonderful memory of marrying the love of her life on the same day she escaped from that torturous house. In an interview, I know. I love that too. At first I was like, that's so weird. Like that was just my first initial reaction. But then I was thinking about it and I was like, you know, she wants to wash away that memory of it. And now she has something new to look forward to. Yeah. In an interview, she actually stated that she chose that day to quote, still the dude's thunder. And I just love that too. That is so good. Yeah. So Michelle also got to fulfill one of her biggest dreams, which was going to Disney. Of course, I had to <laughs> oh, add that, that just in. Gave me chills. <laughs> I know. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. So so she had an interview on the Doctor Phil show, which I want to go back and watch. I didn't have time to watch it before I um, yeah. wrote this part of the episode, but um, at the end of 2013, she was on the Doctor Phil show, and they actually sent her to Disneyland. So she got to fly on a plane. Aww to LA and she talked about how like she didn't know she couldn't carry on like her full set of like shampoo and conditioner and she had to like throw a bunch of stuff away oh no (laughs) (laughs) um wow yeah I thought that was funny because you know she was locked away for 10 years (laughs) yeah so in 2014 Michelle officially changed her name to Lily Rose Lee um Lily after her favorite flower Rose, I can't remember exactly what the rose came from. There was some small significance to that, but um, Lee was the middle name that she had given to Joey all those years before. So oh, that's cool. She goes by Lily Rose Lee, but for the sake of the podcast, I will continue to refer her refer to her as Michelle, just so it doesn't get confusing. Since um, we're you know coming to a close. But I do want to yeah. respect her by saying, you know, that is her her name now. Unfortunately, due to the damages from years and years of abuse by that fucking monster, Michelle is no longer able to physically have children. But she wants another child and hopes to adopt one day. However, she did get a new puppy, a little chihuahua, and he oh. often reminds her of her sweet Lobo, if you guys remember that oh. from after she was taken. Which brings her joy, even though it's a sad memory, it does bring her joy because it's like his personality is kind of like the Chihuahua's personality. So it's kind of like he lives through the Chihuahua. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. Michelle also started her own nonprofit called Lily's Ray of Hope, um, which goes to support victims of child abuse, domestic violence, and human trafficking. So a couple little things about Michelle now. She loves going out dancing. She loves to go out and sing karaoke. And she loves to go to church. She longed for normalcy and to fulfill those things that she missed during her years of captivity. When asked about her relationship with Amanda and Gina, 
now, she says, quote, I love them and they love me. Hopefully we'll all get back together again one day. I love that. Yeah. I think there's just like, I mean, despite how they feel about each other, I think there's just, they're bonded for life over what happened to them. And maybe, you know, once they all process their trauma, like maybe they can, you know, reunite or something. Um, but if not, yeah. that's okay too. I think dealing with a tragedy like this, you never know how you're going to respond until after after it's over. Um, obviously, there's no right or wrong answer. Much like grief, everyone digests it in their own way. For Michelle, she wanted a whole new life, a new beginning with all new people and things. She even lost contact with her family and all of this. She was hurt by her past and needed to heal from what she went through as well. Though she doesn't necessarily blame her mother for all her misfortune, she said she'd rather not have her in her life moving forward. Um, Of course, she misses her brothers and her cousins terribly, but she worries being in touch with them will lead to being in touch with her mother, and she's not quite ready for that yet. She hopes her family will understand her point of view, and she also said that she wished them all well. Um, So to conclude Michelle's... uh, Where is she now? In 2020, so just about a year ago, she did an interview with ABC's 2020. She said, quote, you can overcome all obstacles that stand in your way. Don't let the darkness control your light in your life. She's awesome. Yeah. So she's doing good things, doing all the things. I didn't see anywhere where, um, you know, she had adopted or anything like that. But I mean... She still has time, so, and maybe she just decided not to do that, but it sounds like she's, I mean, I saw interviews, and she seems very happy and content with her life now. Yeah, and she seems to have, you know, done a good job processing it all from, I've seen, like, just a couple with her in it, and she she seems like she's probably not past it, but, you know, is yeah. is able to talk about it which I think indicates that she has done some healing which makes me really happy yeah okay so now I'm going to talk about Amanda and then Gina um, and a little bit of them both together um, since their book was written together so after the hospital Amanda was staying with her sister Beth and her husband and kids they actually had to keep their shades drawn because the media was constantly parked outside This just makes me feel so bad for her. Like, I know that that's their job and, like, what the media does. But damn, like, this girl just spent 10 years trapped in a house. And now she's essentially trapped in another house because she doesn't want to be bombarded by the media. You know, the the police did the best they could to, like, keep them, you know, off the doorstep and stuff. But once you're on public property, like, you technically can't do anything. So. Yeah. Yeah. So when Amanda first met with her lawyer, there were two things that she wanted. She wanted a headstone for her mother's grave and a birth certificate for her daughter. Thankfully, the FBI and her lawyers were helping to protect her, understanding her that she didn't want to face the media. Um, And she was actually accompanied by a victim specialist with the FBI, Jen Myers, for a while after her escape. And Myers had actually worked with the families that were the victims of the school shooting in Newton, Connecticut. Is it Newtown or Newton? Newtown? I think it's Newtown. I think it's Newtown. Yeah, I think it's Newtown. Um, And so um, Amanda described in her book how helpful she was in just helping her process everything and coping with it and being there for her. So glad she had that support. 
Um, and three days after their escape, Amanda went to see her mom's grave. And when she got there, she whispered to her, quote, mommy, I'm home. Which, like, that made me start crying when I read that because it's like, you know, that's the hope that that's what, you know, Joey helped Michelle get through it and that's what helped Amanda get through it and she just wanted to tell her mom, I'm home. Yeah. Um, Amanda was thankful for the kindness shown to her by complete strangers, some who had left flowers at her mother's grave and just other things they were doing. She said in the book, quote, for 10 years, I lived in a world controlled by one selfish man. Now I live in a world of kindness where total strangers help me and ask for nothing in return. So that's just like little faith in humanity restored a little bit. Exactly. So at Castro's sentencing, as Andrea mentioned, Amanda's sister Beth went to represent her saying, quote, Amanda is not here right now or is not here today. She is strong, beautiful, inside and out, and is doing better every day. She's not just my only sister, but the best friend I have and the best person I know. She does not want to talk about these things. She has not talked about these things even with me. The main reason she does not want to talk to anyone about these things or be forced to talk about these things is because she has a daughter. She would like to be the person who decides what to tell her daughter, when to tell her daughter, and how to tell her daughter certain things. I think like Michelle's you know, method of processing was to like talk about it and get a lot of it out there. Whereas Amanda and Gina also kind of wanted to move on and process it. I know like Gina really just tried to push it all out. Like Gina was like, I'm just, that part of my life is done. It's over. Amanda was doing a little bit more of like processing and then Michelle was kind of like, I want to just talk about it, confront Castro so I can move on. Yeah. And Amanda had to protect her daughter. I mean, that was her number one priority. And I mean, going to the the courthouse and leaving her, I'm sure she did not want to do that at all. Yeah. I'm glad that Beth got to say her piece at court and got to represent Amanda. Um, And that same day as the sentencing, Amanda was watching from home. She was just feeling so frustrated with all the things Castro was saying. And the victim's advocate that was with her, Myers, received a message that Amanda's mom's gravestone had been delivered that day. She said, quote, my mom has amazing timing. She's the reason I'm alive and her spirit will get me through whatever lies ahead. And that's just like the sweetest. Her mom was there for her that day. I know that that is amazing timing. I mean, it really is. That's, you know. Yeah. That's God. <laughs> yeah. So on Halloween in 2013, Amanda went trick-or-treating with Jocelyn and Beth's kids, and um, she was describing how she was, like, still getting used to being out in public, you know, walking along the street, and she said that she, quote, couldn't shake the feeling that I'm doing something wrong, that I'm breaking some rule that'll be punished for walking out the door. So, you know, given this is, like, a couple months after the escape, it's just, like, it just shows you how ingrained that was in her that even though she was free and outside she still couldn't shake that feeling yeah you have to almost retrain your brain you know yeah so amanda was living in um the same house as beth and her family a home that had been quietly donated to the family and renovated by some developers and philanthropists in the area and i thought this was so cute amanda placed a live laugh love sign above the fireplace to remind her that in the house she made a promise to herself that once she got out she would remember that every moment is a gift 
So the Cleveland Courage Fund was set up for the girls and $1.4 million was raised for them and split evenly between the four of them, so Jocelyn included. Um, And this was from 10,000 individual contributions, which is like just incredible. That is. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, Amanda said that the money from the fund, quote, brought me time to concentrate on getting Jocelyn settled into our new life and learn all the ways the world has changed since I was 16. And to put it into perspective, Amanda was shocked that cell phones now gave directions. So, like, that's how long she was in the house. Yeah. Um, And she was just so happy to finally go grocery shopping and get whatever she wanted, always having to remind herself that she could go back to the store and get more whenever she wanted. I love Um, that. I know. She loved to cook, and she really focused on Jocelyn deciding to homeschool her for another year. Um, in their new like natural light filled classroom in their house which was just such a stark contrast to the boarded up windows um, that they were previously had their classroom in and Jocelyn had made friends who she was having playdates with and Amanda was slowly trying to like trust others and you know let Jocelyn go to playdates and stuff like that. Gina and Amanda became closer than ever before and Jocelyn loved when Gina visited. Um, It was different with Michelle and Amanda, as we were talking about earlier, and here's the quote um, from the book that Amanda said, we are very different people, and I think life is going to take us in different directions. We endured the unthinkable together, and we'll always have that bond. I wish her happiness. So I think it really just was like, you know, they're different people, they processed it differently, and that's just how it played out. And unfortunately, you know, when they were in the house, I feel like Castro pinned them specifically the most against each other. And you, I mean, you're human. You have to, I mean, they probably took some of that with them outside the the doors of the house, you know. And that's, and it's, it's understandable, you know. Yeah. Um, So as I said earlier, Amanda was upset that her and Jocelyn would never have the chance to confront Castro. Um, that was kind of the hardest part about that and that he didn't have to suffer. Um, but she was glad that it was just over. She didn't really like to go out much because she was recognized a lot and she didn't like that. Um, she was kind of just searching for her, her peace. And so that's where I'm going to switch over to Gina now, but I'll talk more about Amanda and her kind of freedom, newfound freedom in a little bit. So Gina had a tutor that was teaching her school subjects, but also life skills like budgeting and stuff like that. She had a long way to go to finish high school because she was taken in the middle of her seventh grade year. So like she really had a long way to go. And, you know, she was working through it slowly but surely, and she was determined to start a new life. She said in the book, quote, I try to put push my locked up years out of my head, erasing him from my mind and filling it with new and happier moments. At least that is what I want to do. And it seems to be working. So she was trying to kind of let go of the Gina she was before captivity, realizing that she's a completely different person now. And she just wanted to figure out her life ahead. With the Courage Fund that I mentioned earlier, Gina's family was able to build an addition to their house so Gina could have her own room And she was enjoying every moment and things like using all the toothpaste she wanted. (laughs) So again, it's like little things you don't even think about. like Things we take for granted. Yeah. Yeah. So 
Um, a dog that Gina had in the house for a few months was found in an animal shelter and Gina got her back and she slept with her every night. And it was pretty much one of the only things she still had from the house aside from a couple of like poems and writings. Um, and she said it was weird because a lot of her friends from school before she went missing had jobs and babies, which is just wild. Like last time you saw them, they were like 12, 13, 14, and now they have babies. Like, so Gina was really just trying to catch up with the world. She talked about how like her cousins would talk about Twitter and Google and stuff like that. And she would have to learn about that type of stuff. It's so crazy. What a culture shock, right? Yeah, really. Um, in May of 2014, Gina and Michelle got to visit the White House. Gina and Amanda. Let me say that again. I don't know why. Okay. I even wrote <laughs> I was wondering because I was like, I'm not going to Yeah. I'm gonna let her fix that in case it's yeah not Michelle because I was like, I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't know why I wrote. I think I'm just so right used to having Gina and Michelle be together that like. Together, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So in May of 2014, Gina and Amanda got to visit the White House. And I'm not sure why Michelle didn't go. I think she just was like at a different point in her life, you know, point in her healing and life. Um, so they were yeah. actually, they got to go because they were receiving the Hope Award from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which was an award that was given to somebody who inspires hope for missing children. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom. Um, the flight to Washington was actually a really bumpy flight and Amanda and Gina were both like scared because they had never flown before. And they actually said like people who had flown before said that it was like one of the scariest flights. Um, but oh I thought that this was super interesting and like, something that we can all take from this and I just think it's something we can all learn from so I wanted to share it quote before I was kidnapped I would have thought what bad luck that my first flight was so horrible now after learning to focus on the positive I think what good luck that we landed safely I just feel like that's so like I'm so bad at looking at the negative and that just really hit me so hard like you can always find a positive and like yeah, that just changed. Yeah. yeah. 
You got to change your perspective and it's hard. I mean, it is, but that's yeah. amazing that they're able to do that after everything they've been through. Right. So after visiting the White House the first day, they learned that Vice President at the time, Joe Biden, wanted to meet them, and they were asked to come back the next day. The next day, they were over in the West Wing, and when Amanda was coming back from using the restroom, she turned the corner and saw then-President Obama talking to Gina and Beth like she was not expecting it. Um, (laughs) And he told her, quote, I know. He told her, quote, I heard you were coming to meet the vice president, and I wanted to make sure I had a chance to say hello. I want to tell you how proud I am of you and that it's such an honor to meet you. Isn't that, like, wow. incredible? I, I know. love that. I do. I love that. I, know. I love Obama. He's so, he's I just know. so, like, nice and friendly, and, and I'm right. not being political. I'm just talking about him as a person. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And actually, it was really funny. I didn't include this, but... um. Went, like they took some photos and then he left and he made a joke like like I have to go deal with this Ukraine thing like that oh. was his joke like he was like I have to go deal with this Ukraine thing like see you guys later <laughs> I gotta go do president so shit can't talk right yeah, now exactly. doing president shit <laughs> <laughs> new TikTok audio yeah <laughs> and there is a photo of them all together so we'll put that on the Instagram um for this episode because it's a sweet photo so after that amanda gina spent time talking with then vice president biden i think that's the right way to refer to it that's what that's how i'm gonna refer yeah, to it then, he's like the president yeah, now then he was. yeah then pre- yeah so anyway yeah. um irrelevant but <laughs> just the things my anxiety <laughs> makes me think about <laughs> yeah um <laughs> So he told them about the terrible accident that killed his wife and daughter and how he overcame it. And Amanda talked about in her book that, you know, he was 29 when that happened and she was 28 at the time that they met. And she said, quote, I have a new life ahead. And he's right. After what I've been through, I can face anything. He's not afraid to cry and I don't have to be either. So I feel like that was kind of like a bit of a point for her. I mean, not the only one obviously but she was like okay if he can do it i can do it like he overcame it and became the vice president of the united states like i can do it too so so yeah um jocelyn got to attend second grade at a regular school which she loved before going to school amanda told her about um her dad and that he was sick in his mind and did bad things and, it, like, if you think about this, at that time, she was, like, seven or maybe eight. Like, she was young still. So, yeah. you know. How do you explain that to an eight-year-old, you know? Exactly. And, like, the fear of her learning about it from other people was what, like, really freaked Amanda out. Yeah. So she did her best to, like, just explain as little as possible while still explaining it and she explained that he loved her but was no longer alive and she did seem to understand and didn't really ask too many questions thankfully so once jocelyn was like in school amanda wanted to get her high school degree and she kind of shifted her focus in life to helping others um she was always memorizing missing children on posters and billboards and you know she wanted to change the way that people look at missing children Um, and she did talk about how, like, you know, we see posters and billboards all the time and we just don't think anything of it usually, but those are there for a reason. Like you see something and you're like, oh, it's never going to, I'm never going to see this person or I'm never going to find this person, but you just never know. And so 
just a reminder to keep your eyes peeled. You never know yeah. what you're going to see. And if you see something, say something, you know? Yes. So that was where Amanda was going, and Gina was working to finish school, and she actually got a job working in a restaurant that she just loved. Um, She was getting to meet new people. She kind of had that little bit of freedom, and she also was able to move her family to a new neighborhood. You remember from Gina's um, episode, she the, the neighborhood that they lived in was not a very good neighborhood, and obviously they were never able to move. And so they finally got to move and she had a whole little section of the house, kind of like an in-law suite that was her own. So she was just so happy. Yay. That's awesome. Um, Both Amanda and Gina wanted to travel and explore the world, dreaming of doing things that the teenage versions of themselves would have never even imagined doing. So they were really able to take this and like shift their mindset, which is amazing. Yeah. And they probably had lots of resources to like really achieve those things too, you know? Yeah, which is this so deserving. So today, Amanda, who is 35 years old, is working to bring abducted children home. Um, according to an article from ABC, she, is, she was working with the U.S. Marshals Operation Safety Net Initiative in Ohio, which, um, and I don't know if she's still working with them or if she had and then moved on, but she, when working with them, helped locate at least 35 missing and endangered children. Um And she is now currently working as a missing persons advocate at a local Cleveland news station, Fox 8. And an article that I read um, said, quote, she was helping to bring home missing children. um, And that has been part of the process in helping her find her voice. So she really like dove right into that. And having a child, I'm sure that put fire in her spirit to like help other families, you know. Right. Yeah, I'm sure. So according to a 2020 article from the Cinemaholic, Jocelyn is 14 and is, you know, learning a few more things about her father. Amanda's very protective of the privacy of her daughter, helping her navigate these strange waters as she grows up and learns more about what happened to her mother and father. So there's not much out there on her. um, And I'm not going to do much digging more because I respect that privacy. And, you know, so Gina is now 31 years old and has been working to help missing children as well. In 2018, she founded the Cleveland Family Center for Missing Children and Adults with her cousin, Sylvia Colon. Colon? Colon? I think. Colon. Colon. Um, And I I feel like I remember reading somewhere that this center, or one of the centers that they were working at or founded, was located on Seymour Avenue, like on the road that they... Yeah. But I, I don't quote me on that because I can't remember, but I'm pretty okay. sure it was. Um, so with this center, Gina has helped dozens of families looking for missing and loved ones. Um, and according to an article from Fox 8, which is the news station that Amanda now works for, Gina said she now celebrates May 6th as her other birthday. So like wow. Michelle created an anniversary, Gina kind of celebrates that day as well. So I love that. Good for her. Yeah. I know, right? So all three of these women have taken this awful tragedy and turned it into something that guides them. They endured the unthinkable in that house for years. They grew up there. They experienced huge milestones while trapped inside those walls. They persevered. They escaped. And they are thriving. Um, They're helping others and building a path for a happy and peaceful life. And they are so damn inspirational. And I'm so thankful that we got to tell their story. Um, Next week, 
we're going to talk about our thoughts on kidnapping cases like this and just some other, you know, things that we think are important to come out of this case um, and why it's so important to listen and be aware of cases like this. And I also wanted to say all of the sources for this episode will be linked in the description box. We referenced a couple of things outside of the books that we typically are referencing. So I'll put those not in the description box, in the show notes. I'm too used to YouTube. Um, And if you guys have any questions about the case, maybe something that we didn't cover or something that you want more info and we can do a little bit more digging, head over to our Instagram at inhuman underscore podcast. And you can either DM us directly or sometime this upcoming week, we'll put like a question box or something and you guys can ask questions. And if we get enough questions, we'll do like a little... Uh, section for the last episode just answering you guys' questions. Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you were as happy listening to this and where these amazing women are now as we were telling it. Exactly. We are so we're so sad to see this case come to an end, but we're so happy that there was a wonderful, joyous, happy ending to this case. All right, you guys, thank you for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Bye. We just want to thank you guys so much for listening. To see key photos from this episode, along with some behind the scenes, follow us over on Instagram at inhuman underscore podcast. If you're loving the podcast, let us know by subscribing and leaving us a review. It lets iTunes and other platforms see that you're enjoying our content so we can be discovered by new listeners. We can't wait to bring you next week's episode. Until then, keep it human. Selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to do we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash audioboom, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom.